Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody, and once again, welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Rico, and right here beside me is LPJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller, and we are, of course, your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. What up? What? <laughs> exactly. What up? Another Tuesday in lockdown. Um, let me let me stand corrected. Cindy's actually technically not right beside me. I don't know why I say that. Um, <laughs> you're up. When I'm here, uh, actually, I'm in Alabama. I'm, I'm hunkered down with, with my girl, Carol. Uh, we decided that we were going to uh, do the self-quarantine together because I live uh, about an hour and a half away in Florida, and she lives up here um, in Alabama. So rather than being on our own, uh, we decided to you know, pool our resources and, and spend the time together. So it's been a lot of fun. We haven't killed one another yet, so I guess we're okay, but... Um, anyways, we got uh, a, a great show this morning, Cindy. We're going to do um, uh, the No BS Zone here in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by uh, our very special guest, Sheldon Sonnenberg, uh, who is a consultant in the health and fitness industry. We're going to get some great tips on how to feel better, um, both inside and out. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then, Cindy, uh, you and I, are, I know, are very, very excited next week um, we're going to have a couple of great guests. Um, we are going to have uh, a VP from Encore Golf, Steve Colton. And then we're also going to be joined by a very, very special guest, the Black Knight himself, Mr. Gary Player, is going to be on uh, the Women of Golf next Tuesday. So for those of you tuning into the broadcast today, you want to make sure you come back next week because Gary and Steve are going to do a great show and we're dedicating the whole hour. No, no BS next week, Cindy. Um, we're going to get it straight from uh, <laughs> two season uh, veterans of the game. Uh, and uh, I'm just really, really excited, as I know you are, to have Gary on the show and, uh, and of course, Steve. All right, we're going to start off uh, this week. Uh, we are going to be in, uh, you and I are going to be in the no BS zone this week. And we're going to talk about five ways, Cindy, to get your kids into golf. Um, you know, a lot of people are kind of, you know, a lot of parents out there want to get their kids, uh, you know, doing different activities. And obviously, you know, we want to uh, encourage them to uh, at least consider golf as, as one of the extracurricular activities. So, you know, golf, as, as you and I know, is a, is a game of flair and patience and uh, with subtle elements of competitiveness. And, um, you know, we know how to, you know, to get kids in golf uh, is 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 something that uh, they can do every every day if they choose or not. And for a lot of parents, we know that the thought of getting their children out of the house during school holidays and even on weekends uh, can be a chore. Uh, and, you know, they don't want their kids to be lazy through uh, that off time. So getting the kids out of the house is one thing, but playing a sport um, that they know nothing about is another. And the idea of golf may sound like a nightmare waiting to happen, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, so there's a lot of great programs out there. We're going to talk about things. And, and I think one of the topics that I think we, you have to make sure, especially when you're working with young kids, uh, Cindy, and that is to make it, uh, make a short game. Uh, in other words, the last thing you want to be doing is dragging them out for 18 holes the first time you take them out there. So you want to make it interesting. Um, and if you're not a member of a course or you don't happen to have a golf course, uh, near you, there might be a, a, a you know a mini putt or something, but you want to find some way of allowing them to have fun, but at the same time you're, you don't want to get into a five-hour marathon. So, what are your thoughts here, Cindy? What's a great way that you found uh, to help parents get kids into into golf, especially at an early age? Well, def- <clears throat> I would definitely take them to the golf course with you. 
I would, um, this may sound like child abuse, but when my kids were little, I would take the (laughs) car seats and put the car seat in the cart and put them in the car seat. And then when they were big enough to run around, I would let them off, you know, close to the green and throw a ball to them. And they would run around and pick up the ball. And then when they saw me putting, they would run over, grab the ball and put it in the hole with their hands. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, our grandson does that. We just did that a couple of weeks ago when we were allowed to go to the golf course. Um, but I had like three or four balls and it was fun for him to grab all the balls. So needless to say, I couldn't really putt. So when you, and he's two years old. So start them when they're really, really little to show them, Hey, you can run around this big expansive grass area, uh, and, and chase. It's like an Easter egg hunt. Second thing. Right. Exactly. I happen to be. Yeah, U.S. Kids, I'm a U.S. Kids Master Instructor and a Titleist Performance Institute Junior Certified. And when they interviewed or surveyed a bunch of kids in San Diego and asked them what do they want to do after school, no one chose golf. No one. Mm-hmm. No one. Right. Um, and yeah. so that's really sad because they didn't think it was fun. So the number one thing you have to do is show them that it's fun. And sometimes that could be hard, but that's why even if you start in the backyard, which you need to do right now because you can't do anything else, put a hula hoop out there. Tell them they got to get the ball into mm. the hula hoop. You know, just yep. let it be fun. Yeah, that's the key thing, I think, is – and, again, timing is, is everything. Um, you know, that is very <laughs> sad. I, I, I've – I'm familiar. I, I don't, I'm not sure if it was you that mentioned it before or somebody else, but I remember that they they did that that study in in San Diego. I think they interviewed a bunch of school uh, children, and um, that was a, a resounding. I mean, literally nobody put up their hand to you know to play golf. And this goes to you know what I what I talked about before on this show is I think as an industry, I mean, there's a lot of great junior programs out there. Don't get me wrong. But those are really geared towards people who have a vested interest in golf. And in other words, kids that have grown up in a golf family, per, perhaps, and and have had some early exposure to golf, uh, you know, through their own family. But for a lot of others that maybe their parents don't golf, um, really the only exposure that they, they see, Cindy, is what they see on TV. And I've said this many, many times before. The only, you know, sort of identification is what they see um, put out uh, about the tours. And for a lot of parents, they see that and say, well, you know, my kid's not good enough or, you know, they're they're not, you know, we're not really interested in getting them out on the the golf tour. So I think that we have to do a better job of exposing kids at a very early age to this game so that when we do ask them questions, hey, what would you like to do? Golf is going to be right there with, with football and baseball and volleyball and all these other sports that kids initially gravitate to. Um, and, and I think that's how we really have to approach it, not just focus on competitive junior golf, but just every day, let's get out there and have some fun. So um, I, I think it's um, a, an opportunity really for the industry to, to make some changes. And, um, you know, the other thing, too, is when you do get them interested, um, this is also another problem um, that we, we face, and that is equipping them with the right equipment. Um, you know, it's too long, too stiff, and too heavy uh, are many common problems. And I know that you've, um, you know, again, worked with U.S. Kids Golf, and there's a lot of great programs out there getting equipment for youngsters like that that is specifically designed for, you know, the various eight younger age groups and that. So talk a little bit about that, Cindy, about the importance of, you know, we used to, when I grew up, you know, dad just cut off, a, you know, one of his irons and, and you know, re, re-gripped it and so on. And, and uh, you know, I had a, a cut down seven iron that he used to have. But again, it probably wasn't the best thing, but that's what we did at that time. Mm-hmm. What are some options that are available today for, for parents that want to get their kids involved in golf? Well, I'm going to back up for a second and, and just talk about programs. The first tee does a great job going into schools, depending on your area, uh, and possibly even having a program inside the school. So that's one option. The other option is um, we're doing Operation 36 this year, hopefully next Mm -hmm. month. 
And Operation 36 is a program that's all, there's a, a, an app online with instruction, with programming, and you come in for a lesson. The semesters might be four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. We're going to do four-week sessions. It's going to include um, six lessons or four lessons and two playing sessions. And they start everyone, even adults, from 25 yards and in. So you have to shoot even par from 25 yards and in, knock it on the green, two putt, make three, shoot 27, you're nine under. Um, and you can track your progress and your stats, how many fairways, how many greens, how many putts on, on their app, which is great. U.S. Kids Golf, in my opinion, has the best equipment for kids, and they, they uh, manufacture the equipment and sell it by height. And they have two different shaft types. One is super light and one is a little stiffer for a child that's got a little more oomph in their club head speed. Right. And so they call that the tour series. So they start at 39 inches tall and they go all the way up mm-hmm. to 63 inches, which is five foot three. After that, it's right. time for real clubs, you know, but yeah, and they're very inexpensive, and they come with a bag, and and it's awesome, awesome. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know a lot of pros, uh, in addition to yourself, have talked about, um, you know, U.S. Kids Golf and 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 uh, the equipment that they offer, and and you know, again, obviously, kids are growing continually, so over time, you're you know, you're probably. Um, you might be good for a little while at, at a very young age, but then there comes a point when there's a sudden growth spurt in your child, and that's when you're going to have to, you know, elevate uh, your your purchase to um, something a little bit more um, uh, long term. But um, there are some great equipment, and, and yeah, you're right. I, I think you you have to fit them properly. You have to make sure because um, it might look cute, you know, if you're you're shooting a little video of your your youngster swinging one of your clubs. But if you want them to really understand and learn the game, um, then you've got to make sure that they fitted properly, especially if they show an inch. When you're, you know, as you talked about, Cindy, when you're just out there sort of at the very beginning introducing them and you're, you're playing some, some fun little games just to kind of draw them. But once they start showing an aptitude uh, and, and a willingness to, to learn and, uh, and want to play the game, then I think that's when you sort of step in and say, okay. Uh, and I think it's also good uh, to, and this sort of falls into the next thing, uh, and that's giving them time to perfect their swing. Uh, you know, the key to anything in life is practice. Uh, children are notoriously better at gripping a sport from a young age as uh, their attention to detail and perfection is greater. You know, obviously, as we uh, get older and that, we're, we're not as apt to, to learn new things. Uh, kids are like sponges. And this is an opportunity. When, once they show that initial um, real desire to learn and, and want, or want to learn the game, I think that's when you want to connect with somebody like yourself, Cindy, that, you know, really can, can help them uh, work on some of the, the key things that they're going to need. Um, and, and I want you to talk a little bit about that. There's a, there's a point where, you know, playing on the putting surface is fine, um, throwing some balls and whatnot, but then there comes a point in time where you need to start educating them and helping them to understand um, the, the very components of golf. So maybe touch a little bit about that when you start getting some of those students and how do you uh, deal with it? Well, again, the first tee is great, and U.S. Kids Golf, We they have five levels of the U.S. Kids Golf, and they have little booklets. So if you are in their program, you follow their process, and in that starts with putting and chipping and short game and bunker shots and full swings at each little component of the game of golf. And they start with, you know, you have to pass each level. There's a test with rules, etiquette, knowing how to treat your opponents or playing partners, if you will. And how do I grip the putter? I have to make so many putts within two feet. Like level one, you have to make three out of five putts within two feet. You have to three putt. I think you have to two putt within 10 feet, and then you have to three putt within 20 feet. So there's something for them to work towards rather than just slamming balls and running around like crazy people, which is great. Because then the parents can also work with them at home 
on achieving these goals, if you will. So the U.S. Kids Golf Program is great, as is Operation 36. So it really teaches them all the components of playing, rules, etiquette, how to treat your playing partners, the clubs, the equipment, all that's in these booklets, and then skills challenges to pass to be able to get to the next level. And then there's pins, and you put the pins on the hat, and there's award ceremonies, and it's it's great. It's kind of like karate. Right, right, exactly. And, it, and listen, I've seen some youngsters out in the golf course, and it looks like karate sometimes when they start swinging those gloves. Um, but, you know, you're, you're exactly right, and I think that's great because you know one of the problems is is you don't want to make it too complicating uh too complicated excuse me um when you're first interested i mean golf can be difficult enough as we, we all know um but kids want it to be and, and again this sort of rolls into our next point uh is you've got to keep it fun and more importantly this is paramount you've got to keep the criticism low you know and you know as serious cindy and and as prestigious as golf can be to an adult uh, to a child, it's just another sport for them to grasp. So remember, your child doesn't want it to be complicated. Otherwise, they will lose interest very, very quickly. And then it's even more difficult to get them back in once that spark is gone. So even if your your child hits an okay shot, um, you know, shout back at them, especially early on, that, hey, that was a great shot or a great swing to sort of uh, encourage them to, uh, you know, to, to want to continue on. And the more you play as a parent with your children, the more honest you, you can be with their play. So remember, they want you to be, and, and you know, they want you to be the fun parents rather than a teacher. So, you know, unless, uh, you know, unless Cindy, they're, they're, you know, they've got a gift and they're going to be the next Annika or Tiger or somebody of that, then you've got to really ease off the criticism. And that's something, you know, you've talked about many times on the show where parents sometimes get too involved um, and become too critical, and then suddenly you you can just see, as a teacher, you can see that student no longer has that desire and drive. Maybe you can touch on a few points there. In my opinion, the the parent should probably never be the teacher, um, mm-hmm. unless the parent, you know, Alan taught our son Jamie. We have three beautiful children, but only one of them really liked golf, and Alan was the teacher. And, and I just have to make a side note here. Alan's father was the criticizer and very critical of Alan. So Alan and I are very non-critical of people. We will try to give you feedback in such a way that, you know, you feel like we're trying to help you. We're not trying to beat you up. And it's funny because right. our, we've got a young girl that we're trying to help who wants to play on the tour, and Jamie has a friend who's probably going to try to play on the tour. And Jamie was texting with his dad the other night, and he said, I don't understand why these kids, Jamie's 34, why these mm-hmm. kids don't ask more questions and watch other people. Do they ever ask you questions of how to fix themselves? Mm-hmm. when they're in a slump. And, and Alan said, you are the only one that ever asked me what it took to get where I went. Mm-hmm. Out of all the thousands of people that we've taught over these years, you are the only one that asked me what it took. Now, I don't know if that was the burn inside Jamie they all, and it's funny because Jamie was hitting balls with one of the girls yesterday at her house. They have a, a net and, you know, in the basement, kind of like a mini range type of thing. <clears throat> and he said, mm-hmm. you know, she started to pout about her driver. <laughs> and he said, he says, look at me. He goes, and Jamie can be such a creep. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said, you need to learn to stop whining. He says, how many years have you right. been taking lessons from my father? Do you not know how to fix this? Why don't you figure it out yourself? Stop whining. And, and so he calls me and he goes, oh, my God, I can't believe she does that. But, again, if you give them a silver spoon and you help them all the time, are they going to learn how to be resilient, right, Right. and resourceful right. and fix themselves? So, so that's one side of it. The other side of it is um, – 
you got to don't criticize. Nobody's trying to miss it on purpose. Nobody. No. Nobody. I've never met anyone that says, oh, watch this. I want to shank it out of bounds. You know, that, that's not <laughs> happening. So, so if that's the case and no one's trying to miss it on purpose, help them become a problem solver. You know what I mean? Help them say, okay, yep. I have students that look at me and they go, oh, my God, what was that? I go, well, let's think about it. Where'd the ball go? So you have to help them become a problem solver because it will only help them in their life. Well, and exactly. And, and you know, the thing is, when you, when you think about your time at school, you know, growing up in that, you know, and, and it's just obviously the same in everything and golf included is, you know, the teachers are there to provide you with the tools um, and help teach you how to handle certain uh, situations. But you have to then take that information and learn how to apply it yourself because, you know, you can't go back, you know, fast forward 25, 30 years and, you know, your, your grade five teacher isn't going to be there holding your hand in everyday life. So, you know, all of the, those lessons that you've learned in school is designed to help you um, prepare for later in life. And it's the same thing with golf. And you're right. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we we've we've got a generation now that comes out and it's it's all about hand holding and and there's nothing wrong with being supportive and encouraging and uplifting but you also have to prepare uh in, in the case of golf you've got to prepare your students i mean how many times cindy have we heard these young ladies on the semester tour when we've interviewed the winners and they'll all come in and they'll you know and they they have very good self-talk uh and when there's moments of um defeat or anxiety they've learned over time to be able to talk themselves out of it. Yeah, they get into a little slump here and there, but they overall they learn how to get out of that slump. And they realize that it is just a game, and they know that they have the skills and the aptitude to be able to get out there and compete at a high level. So once they understand that, and once they understand that no matter what challenges they may be faced out in the golf course, they've got the tools to be able to combat that and overcome that. But if you don't recognize that and you're just sitting there looking around, you know, like a, a chicken with its head cut off, well, I guess you can't be looking around if it's cut off, but you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, you're, you're not going to advance and you're just going to get more frustrated. And that's, you know, exactly what, what Jamie experienced uh, here yesterday. Um, and the last one, uh, as we get ready to wrap up this segment uh, in the no BS zone, is you've got to also learn to communicate in their language. Um, you know, children need to, to comprehend an idea before they can attempt it. And as a parent or an adult giving mm -hmm. a child, um, you know, around the course, you must learn to be patient as you explain to them in, in childlike terms. And of course, we're talking about real young kids here, uh, and certainly in most cases. Um, you know, you, you've got to use those ch sort of childlike terms on how to play a game instead of using complicated terminology. I mean, there's nothing worse than talking about um, you know, biomechanics and all of these other great things that we talk about now in golf with a five-year-old. Um, they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand, and that's going to add to their, their frustration. And, you know, Cindy, again, I think you've got to make it age-appropriate. And, and, you know, you work with a lot of juniors of, of various levels, uh, some very, very skilled and some just starting out. You've got to adapt. You can't teach them all the same. Uh, would, would that be a fair assumption? Yes. Although I probably <laughs> teach a, I probably teach adults the same way, but I just don't act as goofy. Um, it's funny. We have a bunch of uh, more than normal under seven and unders, right? And so I have to flip the switch and adapt and become, you know, the wacky the village crazy lady, as they would say in the movie Moana, right? So I become the village right. crazy lady. And some of these parents, I got one that I'd like to fire. Um, so <laughs> she's like, well, well, why is the ball doing that? Uh, come here. He needs, hey, what's going on here? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, just take a chill pill, lady. And so I'll grab everybody together, <clears throat> and I'll go over and I'll, take a piece of paper and I'll rip it up into little tiny shreds and everybody gets a pile of shreds. So they all get their own little stack. I said, all right, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make a big mess. And they all look like, oh, 
And I said, here's what we're going to do. See the ball sitting there on this little tiny baby tee? I said, we're going to put this big pile of paper behind the ball, you know, on the right side of the ball if you're right-handed on the ground. And I said, we're going to swing back. And if we look at the top of the ball, and then I swing and I hit the top of the ball, I go, what happened? Did the ball go in the air? No. How come the ball didn't go in the air? Because I hit the top of the ball. Why they hit the top of the ball? Because right. I'm looking at the top of the ball, right? So now I right. put the club behind this big pile of paper, and I swing back, and I slam the paper, and the ball goes flying, and the paper goes everywhere, and I make a big old mess. I go, wow, why did that ball go up? You know. So you have to adapt. Another, and then the yep. parents learn the lesson by, oh, okay, I shouldn't tell them to look at the top of the ball. So I don't have to say, you don't tell them to look at the top of the ball. I'm like, just watch this, right? And then they get it, so then the kids all grab all the little piece of paper, and then they put it behind the ball, and then their whole lesson is you got to scoop the paper up. So you have to adapt your behavior and your teaching to, to the age, yes, be age appropriate, but also you have to make it be fun and maybe do some mm-hmm. things that are out of the box to teach them the lesson. And then, you know, when I say, well, why doesn't the ball go up? Because you didn't brush the grass. You didn't get the paper. So instead of saying, keep your head down, keep your head down, look at the ball, keep your eye on the ball, you know, it's like, shut up. Nobody wants to be yelled at. Right, exactly. And and that's the, uh, you know, see, I think that's the problem with, you know, a lot of the parents. And, I mean, I know it's well-intended in many cases. Sometimes it's just, um, you know, they're have an aggressive nature, but the, the truth of the matter is, and again, if you ask any kid what, especially a very young child, what their number one thing is, is they want to please their parents. And the problem is that if they're out there and they're constantly being shouted down and criticized, they're not going to have fun, number one, but also it's, it's, it's the cycle of never being able to accomplish anything. And this can affect you in so many areas of your life, not just out on the golf course. So I think the parents have to take cues from the, the, the teaching professionals and from the coaches. And, you know, the example that you just gave a moment ago is, is a great one. And that's something that the parent can then when they're at home on their own and, and the kids are out practicing uh, on their own, the parents can remind them of some of the drills and some of the things that you've taught them that they can be working on. Um, instead of, uh, again, being hypercritical and saying, well, you're not doing this and you're not doing that. Um, and, and, and this is a big problem, I think, with, with junior golf is that you get too many parents that get too involved. Um, you certainly want them involved on some level, but not to the point where um, the child suddenly you know, loses interest in the game. So um, great discussion. So those are some ways that you can, um, you know, if you've got children out there and you want to introduce them to the game, some points to, to keep in mind, um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to grow this game and we want to make it inclusive so that everybody gets out there. Families can go out and, and learn to play together. Um, and if you want to get your children involved in golf, uh, as I said, these are some ways that, that you can go about doing that. All right, Cindy, uh, great discussion. We've got uh, our special guest I see is waiting in the wings. So let me just do a quick introduction and then we will bring on our special guest this morning. Uh, our guest is Sheldon Sonnenberg. He is a consultant in the health and fitness industry, and uh, he really caters to traveling businessmen and women to help maintain weight loss and optimize their performance in the business world. Uh, he currently uses his training in physical therapy and athletic training and sports performance to help improve functional uh, movement and eliminate areas of pain such as the lower back, which is a big one, uh, and that helps keep people operating at higher levels. Uh, he also incorporates a nutrition uh, consultant, excuse me, consulting in which he teaches clients how to become the CEO of their own health and utilize food uh, to their benefit to boost their immunity and prevent long-term health issues where uh, obviously medication uh, becomes uh, required. So, Cindy, let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, uh, Sheldon Sonnenberg. Good morning. Hi, how are you all doing? We're doing great. We're doing How are you doing? It's great. I really appreciate y'all having me on. So thanks for the introduction. It's well, we're glad to have you on, welcome. Sheldon. Yes. So I, I, um, I wanted want... to uh... go. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sheldon. Oh no, I was going to say uh, I, I had I had a lot to talk about, but then I was going to go off your lead as far as you know. We're 
if there's anything in particular on all that or just uh as far as addressing the whole the whole uh part on you know more on low back pain and or or how the the whole program you know really fits what you are looking for to uh you know to answer any questions or in particular Go ahead, well, I think Ted. that's a good place to start. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start, Sheldon, um, is because lower back pain is a big problem uh, as a general rule. That's where a lot of people, um, uh, you know, barring any injuries, tend to start developing, especially in this environment, Sheldon, with so many people working behind a desk. They're sitting for long periods of time and lower back issues come in. And then when they get out and, you know, play something like golf. So, uh Give us maybe a, a, an example of, of some things that are causing lower back. Uh, everyone does, uh, you know, uh, on, an, on a daily basis. Give us some examples of things that are, are causing uh, this lower back pain. For sure. Uh, so a lot of it kind of stemmed back from just uh, my own personal experience. I, I never had, like, severe back pain, but I would have a couple of occurrences where I myself, uh, you know, been doing physical therapy for almost 13 years now. And so – there'd be instances where, you know, maybe working out and something would happen. I, I remember one specific incident probably about a year and a half ago. And, you know, we all kind of know the basics of how to go out and treat it. But um, we're basically, uh, you know, I was going to a work conference and I just, uh, I think it had to do something with the workout. But just the whole the whole week was, it was pretty miserable. And so kind of coming in and, and just realizing, okay, I've got to really figure this out. Because um, most people, honestly, I think it's, it's one of those that it's, it, you really, uh, there's a lot of different, and probably one of the reasons why it is one of the hardest ones to treat for, for a lot of people out there, or why it's a recurrent issue. But uh, with low back pain, it's uh, you can really narrow it down to, uh, and I call it the, you know, and it, this is where I learned this was at this conference, and it's actually not for the conference wasn't for uh, for rehab, it was more for it was for another company. But uh, the the guy said, you know, if you can find that one big domino that knocks down everything else, that you know, you can really address a lot of issues and I really start thinking about that with myself and then also what everyone else experiences when they when they have low back pain but you know for me it really uh, when I looked at it and as far as treatment and my approach and just taking this from different mentors too I thought you know for me the the one thing that I could say that really related the most was hand dominance and you know as, as simple as that sounds most people are going throughout the same patterns especially golfers and uh, you know you're going through the rotational components uh constantly going and then you add in your hand dominance a lot of people don't think about this but um we're kind of pre even if if they weren't a golfer we're kind of pre uh predestined uh to be in a certain position you know from growing up as kids and i heard earlier talking about like you know just uh, young adults but uh or kids even playing golf but uh as we're going through these whether it's a sport and or even not a sport maybe just at work a certain activity and we're constantly doing that rotation uh it's kind of a, and this is sometimes a little bit hard to describe versus actually seeing it in person, but it's a, the, your pelvis goes one way, you know, if you're constantly going into a rotational force, but your upper body doesn't stay that way, your trunk. And so that kind of twists the opposite direction. And so you're constantly, I, I always, I always, for me, like the best way to describe it is like people always walking around like uh, with the, as if a, a, a rag being ringed, if that makes sense, because it's, you're constantly in that, that twisting force. And that's probably, honestly, like the simplest answer to, to kind of give a, a quick highlight of, you know, why people always constantly have that, that low back pain. And then, you know, when they're, and then that's when you'll, you'll see someone say, you know, I was just bending over to pick something up and my back went out. Um, it wasn't that they were going to, you know, going over to pick up the, the golf ball that was so heavy, you know, that threw out their back. It was just all the, everything had, had added up over time as far as the, the rotate, everything kind of being twisted, the rotational forces that got their bones out of alignment. Well, and, and that's a great point. And, you know, the other thing, Sheldon, I think is, um, you know, over time with all of the, the different activities, even something as simple as walking, um, if you're not addressing things correctly, you, you develop tension in those areas, particularly your lower back, because, again, that's a, a key access point uh, with your movement. And because your again your trunk is connected through and in your pelvis and so on, and you know if you're every day you're up there walking and you're doing different exercises and you know uh, twisting and turning, uh, you know in the case of playing golf, then you're developing and creating a tension. And at some point that tension is going to build to an area. And as you said, something very simple as, as just stooping over to, to pick up the golf ball or 
uh, you know, some right. other, uh, even a lighter object, um, it, it eventually is going to give. So what are, what are some things to, what to consider when addressing lower back pain? So what are some of the things that you want to do? Um, because you don't want to just go out there and, and, you know, uh, are there some exercises or there things that, that you recommend from your experience as a physical trainer, um, that really address that key area? Yes. Good, good question. So the basic, like for me, it's cause most people honestly can kind of go out there and start playing and, and get away with it. Cause as you're, uh, actually, you know, when, when we, from the therapy world or when you're trying to get, uh, decreased tone or tightness rotation is actually rotation and weight bearing are two of the main ways to release tension and so as you're warming up you know you're maybe going through swings or even just playing and moving in and out of the cart or walking around on the golf course or you know whatnot um the body tends to loosen itself up that way but as far as exercises go and that's again kind of leading back to everyone being in that pre-positioned of i always I'm going to backtrack just a little bit so it maybe puts it in more perspective and framework. But if you think uh, it's just a game of forces. So if you think of like, for example, someone's house, if the foundation is leaning a little bit, well, the house is leaning. Well, the same thing with, the, with, with someone's body and their, their pelvis. Uh, it, the big bones control the small bones. So your pelvic, pelvic floor, the pelvis, and then you have your spine going up. You know, if your pelvis is tilted, well, what happens with your, with your spine and all the rotational forces going there and, and our bodies are really good at compensation in, in order, you know, to twist and kind of move around. And sometimes we don't really realize that, you know, we're, if we were, we're standing straight up because we're always trying to defy gravity and stand straight up and, and keep that upright posture. But we don't realize how much rotational depth, uh, discrepancies there are throughout the body. And, and things are just kind of counterforcing each other. It's kind of like a tug of war, but, um, so right then, you know, leading into that, I always, you know, I'll take usually have people go through uh, uh, some. Some of them are pretty simple, but they're they're just a mixture because uh, I think what ends up happening is a lot of people get used to going through the same plane of motion. And let's just take for example, um, the good thing about golf though is there are a couple, you know, so you got three planes of motion: your your sagittal, like it's front to back. So let's just say you're you're walking forward or you step backwards in that plane of motion. Uh, the frontal plane, the side to side, um, and then uh, your rotational. So with golf, you do get you get a little bit of mixture of all three of those planes, but a lot of times that's not enough to to go in there and break up that tension around the pelvis or low back. So that's where the the exercise the the key comes in is is uh, giving someone a set of exercises, and it could be you know basically laying on the back, going through what I call windshield wipers, bringing the knees side to side, uh, maybe they're pulling their knee to their chest, pulling the knee over. Um, going through it's, it's kind of breaking up that tension around that pelvis so that once we can release the the tension that's happened over the years then we can allow that pelvis to relax in a more neutral position then you don't have all its forces to the low back and so that's the key to it is uh it's, it's almost a little bit of a game of of uh really opening the hips and getting that rotation uh what you'll see in a lot of golfers too for example uh depending on hand dominance is is your because of the the hand you know the always facing in the same direction too you tend to uh and i'm using myself for example too but it's a uh, it's you're constantly constantly going through the same motion so if our pelvis is always shifted in that position it offsets our the femur your leg bones and so uh there's limited motion in the hips so that's really where i think that the key is you got to start is is uh helping someone regain that hip mobility because if it's always going in one direction the the leg and that, that capsule where that femur attaches the, to, the, uh, to the pelvis gets, gets kind of stuck. And so right and left leg is a little bit different when you start uh, measuring their range of motion. So just kind of keep it simple. It's starting to start working on hip mobility, but then also we start working on exercises that hit all planes of motion, from, so front to back, side to side, and then also rotation. So Very let me good. ask well you said. a question. Is is so basically you have to unlock yourself and one of the exercises you could <laughs> yeah. do is is to lay on the floor put your knees up and your feet on the ground and do windshield wipers with your knees together that's one thing that you can do to loosen you up correct so for example and i can get these exercises to you uh so y'all can get them to your listeners if you know 
to help simplify, I know it's sometimes hard to, to describe our film, but yes, uh, laying on the back with the knees bent and just slowly going side to side. So part of this too is you're, you're looking at a couple things is, you know, just taking it, taking that full picture and saying, okay, I know my pelvis is shifted. And usually, so for example, if someone's right-handed, it's shifted down to the left because we're always reaching out with our right hand so that pelvis shifts down to the left. Well, our upper body doesn't stay shifted to the left with it because then we'd be walking kind of sideways. Our upper body twists up to the right. And so we get that, that counter force where your top of your body twists right, your bottom body, bottom, bottom part of the, the body shifts left. And so we're, we're kind of like in that twisted rag example. Um, so for me to say, okay, let's go in there and then try to start releasing tension around that pelvis, um, then it's like looking at all the different because that's what becomes more uh, like the kind of the full approach of saying, you know, there's, there's a lot of, and I tell people, it's just like, you got to clear the body, meaning go in there and try to clear all different avenues. Cause there's a lot of muscles, tendons, ligaments, stuff that, uh, that basically attaches around the pelvis. And so, uh, then you start playing the game of the nervous system too, because, um, that rotation helps relax the nervous system to, to more or less just, you know, as if you're stretching, you know, sometimes as you stretch, you feel relaxed. Same thing. As you're going through these rotational exercises, it allows your, your nervous system to kind of decompress. Then you can go through the motions smoother. So there's, there's a little bit more uh, in-depth uh, thought process on, you know, why these exercises are put into play. Um, but, yes, you're playing a game with the nervous system, the muscle tendons, ligaments, the joints, the whole capsule there. So laying on the back, you're going through your windshield wipers, slowly knee side to side. Um, and then another one, so that hits the rotational Another simple one is just knee to chest, as basic as it, as it sounds. Uh, your whole goal is trying to get that, again, that femur. The we're trying to open up the hips, and so uh, once we get all the your your left and right side, we're trying to complement each other. Meaning, as much as possible, it may never be perfect, but um, after being in that rotational, uh, like just I, I use right-handed for example because it tends to be more common. But uh, let's just say you know someone's pelvis, they're right-handed, and it shifted down to the left. Well, your right leg and your left leg get a, a shift with it, meaning they line up different in the, the femur lines up different into the, to the pelvis. And so we have to, to, to clear both sides. We have to, you know, work on both sides. And um, you know, sometimes I learned a few of these uh, strategies too through, uh, uh, through different yoga instructors too over the, over the years, because they do, they work a lot of, you know, both sides as far as trying to open up the joints and, and get everything moving. But, so, you, yes, you have your windshield wipers for the rotational. They have your knee to chest. And then there's another one where you can do where you pull the, the you know, one leg up where it's 90 degrees and you pull it over to your side. And so that, that kind of gets more of that, that side plane motion. So they're actually really simple. Like once you learn this, uh, you know, someone can knock this. I, I, I do them every morning. And this was where I went back to that one conference and I, after I had that low back pain and, and uh, I was like, it was pretty miserable for that whole week. And I was like, you know, I, I knew the basics of everything of, of what to do that, that had worked, but there was still one missing key. And then once I realized a couple things, you know, honestly, like there was three simple exercises someone could do literally within less than a minute a day, if they wanted to do a couple reps, you know, less than five minutes a day. And it hasn't, I haven't had any issues with, and I, you know, my routine has never changed uh, as far as workouts or, you know, stuff like that. So, it's uh and it's worked and it that's what's really neat about this is it's and I, that's why I kind of came up with the unlocked part because you really what you're doing any your whole body head to toe is is uh works together and so when there's one part of your body that stops moving or is not working somewhere else in your body has to to pick up that that slack and so once you understand this simple concept and really physical therapy working out training golf is just a game of horses. Once you understand that, you know, you're, you're playing the game of gravity. You got the gravity pushing down from up top, you know, uh, from up above, you have the, the counter force of the ground where our, you know, our, our body weight, stuff like that. So you got this, it's like, you have, you have the uh, gravity from up top, the, the forces from the ground pushing up, we're kind of being compressed. So if we don't go in there and do some of these simple exercises, stuff to open up the body, then things start getting compressed, and that's where the, the pain starts coming in over time. I would love to get those exercises from you. Email them with if you can. For sure. And it, uh, here's the here's the cool thing is uh, it, you know, when you start doing this stuff too, it you it, 
honestly, it's changed everything in my thought process for, for the whole last year and just how you feel. And that's where the whole energy weight loss stuff comes into play too, because once you, once your body becomes connected, and I think that's, that's been a, one of the biggest realizations I've had over the years working with clients is most people are just not connected with their body, meaning they don't, they don't really understand the forces. Like they understand, yeah, low back pain. Um, there's, they're just not connected with the different parts of their body and how they work. And that's why I always, you know, it, I think it's so true. And, you know, some of the top, uh, so I can't remember who said this before, but um, they said basically most people are honest. They're really only operating at 60 to 70% of their physical capability, no matter what age group they're in. And so when I started doing this and like when I you know, go play golf, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a whole nother world because, all of a sudden, you, when you started getting certain main joints open up in your body, and this was, uh, not to backtrack here at another story, but um, when you start opening up certain parts of your body, you, you uh, all of a sudden, because of the way our nervous system works, you start activating those, those joint receptors and the nervous system more efficiently. So, one, you have more motion. And I always call it, like, I, I look at it both ways. Like, for example, let's just say, uh, someone's trying to improve their swing, um, like how far they hit it. A lot of times, you know, and I don't want to like say this in a bad way, but then like, oh, well, it's the club. I need to go buy a different club or a different shaft or whatever it is or a different brand. <laughs> and it's not really the club. It's because they're lacking mobility in their hips or their thoracic. And so so part of of, uh, of the program, too, is – and I realized this a few years ago, actually, I had another – but all this stuff started lining up over the years and all of a sudden it just clicked, but I couldn't figure out like, like most pretty much everyone that came into my clinic that had low back pain that suffered for years also had a very stiff rib cage where um, it's not supposed to be like a spring, you know, where, I mean, you have a little, it should be a little, a little bit like a spring where as you breathe, your ribs open up, external rotate and then the internal rotate. So you don't need this huge compression, but they were just stiff as a board. <laughs> and uh, so they weren't distributing the forces throughout their body and getting that motion and movement. And then that's, you know, that's where you, you'll get the common, I've got low back pain, I've got knee pain, I've got neck pain, shoulder pain. Because when your hips, when you lose mobility in your hips and you lose mobility in your thoracic, your rib cage, the, and you can't distribute the main forces throughout the body, that's just the tendency is to, uh, to start hitting on, on the knees, the, uh, the back, the shoulder, the neck. Well, why is that a hard one to treat? Because most people don't treat it from a hand-dominant standpoint and understand that the relationship is, is, is bilateral, both sides throughout the body. And so then once you understand certain concepts and go through and can break it up, then you, it's easy all of a sudden. And it's just like uh, you're, you're basically giving someone a new life because all of a sudden they have new range of motion. They can, they can act, those joints can now move as, like they're supposed to into the, the full range of motion because your, your bones lined up the framework, all of a sudden it's like taking that light socket, plugging it back into the wall, lighting up, the le- you get that electricity. It's the same concept. Uh, it, the, the, the bones, whenever they connect on your, your joints, there's receptors. And once they're touching, that's what activates the nervous system and it feeds to the brain. So all of a sudden you have uh, extra strength. You have that mobility to go through the motion and you're not having to compensate throughout the body. And then, and then it, like I said, it's, just a, it's a chain effect because when people are compensating, what ends up happening is uh, they're not activating their muscles to the fullest and they're causing injury, whether it's back, neck, shoulder, uh, et cetera, the knee. So it's very, uh, it's very strategic, but it's also very, once you break it down, it can sound so simple too. And, uh, you know, it's just like one thing kind of leads after another, but it's... <laughs> Yeah, it made a it made a lot of sense after a while. I start putting all these pieces together. Ted, go ahead. Very very cool. Um, one quick question, and, and then I want to move on to um, uh, nutrition as we're we're getting close to our time. But you know, one of the sure. things, um, Sheldon, that we see in golf is you know we have uh, sort of two different types. We've got our right-handed uh, golfers, and then we've got our left-handed golfers, like a Phil Mickelson. If you're a right-handed mm-hmm. golfer, let's say, or either one, but let's say predominantly most people are right-handed, if you're swinging right-handed all the time, does that also add to, because you're, you're not utilizing, uh, um, I guess the, to put it this way, is 
people that swing right-handed for the most part are, are very dominant that way, but if they try to swing the opposite way, um, some people are very uncoordinated. Is that because they're, again, right. using uh, their muscle groups? Does that also affect um, things like an, an increased potential lower back pain because you're swinging in the same direction all the time? Does that add to some of the issues? That's the, that's the, that's the real issue. And so that was, I'm glad you brought that up because that was kind of the next phase. So I, I, I'll, real quick, I'll go through this and maybe I'll kind of answer all the, the questions there. But so the first phase we're talking about, I broke it into to three phases. Uh, phase one was working on mobility of the joints. And then once you get the joints to those certain exercises, uh, mobility of the joints, then you can work on flexibility of the muscles, your basic stuff. Uh, so get the joints lined up, then you can get the muscles lined up. You're more, then you can activate the muscles like they should because they're lined up. And then that brings in the strength component, the strengthening and the, the balance work. Because honestly, they all play together. If you, if, you, if you get the number one thing right, the mobility, you start seeing people basically the, the, their flexibility improve because they're not, the nervous system's not on tension as much. Um, and then also their, their strength comes back to play because they're activating the nervous system. Same thing on balance. And that's why a lot of people over time tend to lose balance. Um, I don't want to say it. it I, want, I don't want to say it's more of an age thing. It's more of a mobility thing, if that makes sense, because the, the nervous system is not able to get. So that's the phase one. Phase two is when we talked about the three planes of motion, why people have consistent injuries. So maybe it relates to that question, too, because they're, they're constantly moving to that same range of motion. And this one here, these phases can kind of overlap, but just kind of keep it simple. Yes, if you're constantly going through that same range of motion, you're, only, you're constantly activating certain muscle groups within that range. And so what ends up happening is let's just take a right-handed golfer and they're swinging. They're constantly going through that range of motion. So your, your pelvis is constantly getting shifted a certain way. Uh, so, so is the, you know, your femur is, is getting activated. So you got to think of your body as a whole, not just the muscles, the leg turning, but your nervous system is, is remembering those patterns. And then, you know, if we constantly go through the same motion, we, those muscles pull you out of position because they're really forceful. You know, in golf, you know, if, you, if you're going through a swing, it's, I would consider more of a forceful, uh, high-intensity, uh, you know, movement. So when it pulls you out of that position, you lose that, let's just say, for example, and this is why you're here, like, common, like, the sciatica on a, a certain part. Like, pretty much people can say, tell me their hand dominance. I can tell you where the problems are going to be. Because once you understand, like, the, the rotation in that pelvis and the, the femur, then you've, you've uh, thrown your SI joint, that sacroiliac joint that on the backside off on that left side. Um, so what ends up happening is you lose strength down that leg. And so, yes, so you'll take someone that is uncoordinated and uh, lacks that strength in that side because their, their, range of motion, their mobility and range of motion is offset on that left side versus the right side, if that makes sense. And I think that kind of wraps into to phase four and then also the nutrition side is saying, okay, so you had phase one, re regaining the, the mobility, flexibility, strength, uh, balance. Phase two is learning to go through motion patterns that hit all three planes of motion, your front to back, side to side, rotational. And then phase three was your energy systems. And that's where, you know, and I said that's why they cross, inter, you know, uh, cross over, but when you're going through a forceful motion, you have two different types. There's really three, but you have two main muscle groups. And it's, you, you look at your anaerobic and uh, your aerobic. So let's just say like a sprinter or a fast movement, like a golf swing versus an endurance runner or a swimmer. Those are two different energy systems of do we use oxygen or do we not? And that determines the, the, the thickness of that muscle tissue and how aggressive it is at pulling your joint out of position. Um, so with that being said, you know, a tendency is when you're going through a lot more forceful, fast movement, you tend to have that, that nervous system is constantly wanting to pull you back into that position. Um, and then that kind of leads into also later down the road, if you want to get really specific and I don't, that's good. I won't go that too far on that, but, um, we're all talking about the nutrition side, because once you understand that concept of someone that's trying to, to train for an anaerobic sport where it's a fast movement, and I say fast, you know, something that's like, a, you know, doing a fast movement within zero to 30 seconds or some kind of physical activity, at, you know, at a, at a higher intensity versus someone that's kind of 
long distance walk, run, swim. Then you can determine what kind of energy system, I mean, uh, foods that they need from their macronutrients to the, the types, uh, their percentage of carbs, fats, proteins that are going to be best for achieving that type of sport activity or movement. And so um, it becomes a, you know, I, I tell people too, is like just understanding some of the basics of the foundation of once they can understand really some of the foundational work of regaining that mobility and treating it both sides and trying to understand their hand dominance to understanding just mobility throughout the body, a lot of times you can take care of a lot of, a lot of pain and a lot of issues. Yeah, there, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that, um, you know, affect and obviously, you know, what you put into your body greatly affects, um, you know, your uh, energy production and, and, um, and, you know, your, your muscle um, abilities, fueling things properly. So uh, some great points there. And, um, you know, I'm excited, Cindy, when, when you get uh, the information from Sheldon uh, with some of the different exercises for that to me, because I'd be very interested in, in taking a good look at that. But uh, um, Sheldon, unfortunately, we're, we're out of time, but we appreciate you coming on. And I know that you can uh, get more information about what Sheldon's talking about and you can reach out to him. Uh, give us uh, some of the best ways to reach out to you, Sheldon. For sure. So uh, I have a if anyone wants to go to the website, unlockedmove.com, and uh, probably easiest way, and I can email out those exercises and then also get them some information more on the, the health side of it too because there's a lot more on the – we didn't get to go over it, but the, what causes kind of inflammation throughout the body and how that relates to someone's immune health. You know, that's probably a big thing right now too about their, their immune health right now, but also the joint pain inflammation because that's a big thing too is really – is understanding simple things that you can you can improve your performance by limiting the amount of inflammation throughout the body and uh, just improve your recovery. But so yes, unlocked move, and then also you know I'm on um, Facebook or, or LinkedIn, just Sheldon Sonnenberg, and so there's uh, simple ways to reach out there, and then my email is sheldon.sonnenberg at gmail. But yes, I'd love to to give you you know help provide those exercises and, and just show some simple concepts and just understanding of you know, a lot of times it can be very it sounds very complicated especially you know if someone's not in the in the profession and understanding some of these con, uh, kind of the more in-depth stuff but if you just understand the basics I think it, it'll definitely not only improve the improve the you know the quality of life but improve someone's golf game too awesome well said thank you so much yeah thank you very yeah thank you Sheldon very much for joining us this morning and again go to unlockedmove.com uh, to get more information, you can get uh, through the various different social media platforms that Sheldon is on. All of the information is there. You can click on, or you can reach him by email at sheldon.sonnenberg at gmail.com if you want to have those exercises emailed to you as well. Uh, again, Sheldon, thank you very much. We appreciate you coming on this morning uh, on the Women of Golf, and uh, much continued success. Thank you, really Appreciate you all having me on. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, that was our special guest, uh, consultant in the health and fitness industry, Mr. Sheldon Sonnenberg. Um, very interesting, you know, there's a lot of good uh, information there. And again, you know, as he, he alluded to towards the end, you know, a lot of it obviously can be very technical, and that's where you want to connect with somebody like Sheldon who can help work you through the, the process and help you to understand a little bit better. But, you know, at least he gave us, a, you know, some few nuggets for people to think um, about, and this is a great time you know, while many of us are, are, you know, sort of hunkered down through this, um, you know, pandemic, uh, this is a great opportunity to maybe work on some of those exercises and, and get that lower back in, in better shape so that when we are able to get out there and play some golf uh, a little bit more uh, uh, freely, um, we'll be in better shape to do so. But uh, great show this morning, Cindy, as always. And uh, I want to remind everybody that next week, uh, make sure that you join us for a very special broadcast of the, here on the Women of Golf uh, featuring two great guests, nine-time major champion winner uh, and the Black Knight uh, himself, Mr. Gary Player. And joining him as well is Steve Colton, VP at Encore Golf. So you don't want to miss this. Make sure you tune into the Women of Golf uh, next week. Uh, it's going to be a great show. So as always, uh, on behalf of Cindy and I, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.